With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And Logan, it has happened. James Harden has been traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. The saga with Philly is over. The GOAT of trade requests has done it again. This time, Philly sends Harden along with P.J. Tucker to the Clippers for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, a 2028 unprotected first, a 2026 first rounder from OKC, and then two second rounders along with a 2029 pick swap. So, give me your reaction to this move. Carson, I think the Clippers had to do something. You know, they've been stuck in no man's land, and I really think you're between a a rock and a hard place with what you need to do about this team. We addressed this uh, preseason leading up, what our expectations were for the Clippers, and the biggest thing was this is the last year, it looks like, of the Kawhi-Paul George experiment, right? Their contracts are up next year where they both have player options where if they want to, they could skip town, and the most you have to show for it by giving up all of this draft capital and all of these future assets uh, to go out and get both of these guys, you have a conference finals appearance. And considering that you're not one of the top contenders, you have really two options. You know, shop PG and Kawhi until the trade deadline and see what value you can recoup or go out there and make a game-changing move that could potentially put you over the top. Harden was virtually the only star on the market, and so I applaud Los Angeles for not standing pat and for, you know, making a move, but I still don't think it fixes their biggest issue, Carson, which is, are these guys going to be healthy? Are they going to be available? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. James Harden is a really volatile personality where I wonder, you know, I mean, when does he want out of L.A., or how does this affect the locker room with Russell Westbrook in there? I don't know. I, I see a lot more potential ways where this could go wrong than could go right. And again, I still think the biggest issue with this Clippers team is availability over anything else. Props to the Clippers, Carson, for making this move, for not just standing pat where they were and being Mm -hmm. aggressive, but 
I don't know, man. It's James Harden. This is, yeah, they need another point guard. This is a position of need for LA, but I just, I'm not a big Harden guy, man. It's, I don't think it's the perfect trade. Props for LA for doing something, man. But it's, it's, it's certainly a far from perfect move. I think we are aligned on this in the sense that the Clippers as constructed before this trade were not going to be in those conversations as a top tier contender. And with Kawhi's contract expiring, PG's contract expiring, things were very likely headed towards a breakup at the end of this year. Anyways, so this is not a trade that I have the most confidence in working out ideally for all parties. In fact, I think more likely than not, everybody leaves this disappointed, but that is the trajectory that things were already headed on. They were on a sinking ship. So now here's a little bit of a final prayer for them to save this whole ordeal. I do think that this makes them a slightly better basketball team right now, because I think injecting another star creator and particularly a playmaker of the caliber of James Harden is valuable to this team. And I especially feel that way when, if the Clippers are healthy, he is expected to be a third option in terms of scoring. So you are putting less pressure on him in those playoff scenarios to really carry a heavy load as a scorer. And we have seen that he is inconsistent in that capacity in recent years. And at the same time, well, if one of your stars, be it PG or Kawhi, is hurt, now you have a security blanket. You have a guy who can at least more capably help float the ship as a guy who can give you star production. So for those reasons, I do like it. But when you are talking about adding a star caliber player, I do think that Harden comes with a unique amount of concerns. First of all, that regression in terms of playoff offense that we have seen that is a product of Harden's lack of shot variety where he was a little bit better last year because he started utilizing the mid-range more, but that was also paired with the worst rim pressuring version of Harden that we've ever seen who also couldn't finish at the rim. He made 38% of his shots at the rim in last year's playoff run, so that led to that crazy volatility where he can have these pull-up shooting explosions and then he can disappear entirely. And as has always been the case, his tendency to foul grift, his reliance on getting to the line, that just doesn't scale as well as the playoffs. He's going to take a step back in that respect. He also isn't the perfect offensive fit here. Yes, adding a star talent and playmaker is a win, but the one dimension that the Clippers have been lacking most in recent years is that consistent rim pressure. Every time that they have lost a playoff series in the Kawhi PG tenure, it has basically been because they are so reliant on the three ball and they just fall into a bit of a drought. They're normally a great three-point shooting team, but when it's not falling, they don't have great ways to find their way out of that. They've been a bottom five team in terms of field goals made inside five feet for three straight seasons. And James Harden, as we talked about, is more limited in that capacity attacking the rim than he ever has been. And his stylistic rigidity has been a problem really everywhere. He's not going to bring you almost any off-ball value. And when you are playing him with two guys who, sure, are more versatile wings, can play on and off ball, but have really established themselves as really good pick and roll and isolation creators and have led some great Clippers offense as the primary ball handlers effectively. You don't just want to take it out of their hands all the time. You don't want James Harden to singularly control the game like he has at some of his other stops. So that is not ideal because of how his value diminishes when he is off ball and he's your third best player. So you don't want him dictating everything. And then we've talked about 
some of the concerns with the Clippers' defensive regression. Last year, this team was 18th in defensive rating. We've seen the athleticism with their wings decline a bit. A few of those guys they've now shipped out, but Kawhi and PG aren't at their peak value defensively. They don't really have high-level secondary rim protection, and they don't have a great small guard for some of those point-attack matchups against the dynamic guards in the league. And now you are bringing in a guy who is going to have big issues with point-of-attack defense. And you can say what you want about Russ's effort on that end of the floor waxing and waning, but he's a much better athlete, and frankly, he gave much better effort in the playoffs last year than we could ever expect from James Harden. So you're taking another step back there. And then we have to be worried about personalities meshing here. That is a concern with James Harden every single place he goes. He wanted out within 18 months of the Russ pairing in Houston, who now he's teamed up with again. He wanted out within 18 months in Brooklyn and Philly. And when all three of these guys have contracts expiring at the end of this year, how confident can you be that they're all going to smile and say, great, let's extend, let's make this thing work. And even if they do, how much do you want to pay big money to all of these guys who are going to be in their late 30s by the end of another big contract extension, who all have serious question marks, just different ones? I don't really see a path where the Clippers are like, hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy. I think this makes them slightly better, and I think it made sense to go all in given the context for them, but I don't love it. I think that there are still stronger teams out West. I would have them as my fifth best team in the West. I completely agree with you, Carson, and I think that, yeah, this is the route that the Clippers had to go, and if I'm LA moving forward, going into this new building, man, I think I would pay them. You know, if it if it's two of the three or if it's all three, I mean, I think you got to bring them all back despite them getting up to their age and costing a lot of money. I mean, the alternative is you have no draft picks to rebuild uh, your team that has no foundation at all with no pieces that nobody's going to want to go watch. And I think you laid out uh, a lot of key red flags with this team, man. Mm-hmm. Specifically, uh, I-, I do think the... Ball distribution and hierarchy is going to be a big thing, too, because Harden does fix a hole for this team. He's going to be able to set up Kawhi and PG. That's something they've needed at times during the playoffs. And while Mm -hmm. Kawhi and PG have grown as playmakers, they're not perfect as primary ball handlers and secondary ball handlers. So he does help. But I do think striking that balance between how much you want those guys touching the rock versus Harden is going to be an issue. And it's not like Harden's not a guy where, like you said, man, where you can't just tell him, hey, man, I need you to play a role tonight or I need you to you right. know, take a back seat or something. Harden's going to assert himself on the game. And again, with the Clippers making a deep playoff run, it's not about them not having the talent. You know, uh, we've said this a, a million times on the show. When Kawhi Leonard is healthy, he is a top five player on the planet. He is yeah. bona fide, unstoppable. Paul George at full health is somewhere in that top 20 range. Harden is still, to me, a top 40 player on the planet, right? They're talented enough to do it, but... There are a lot of red flags that come with it, the ones that we've mentioned, and I still think the defense is a major issue. You hit on something else, Carson, that really astounds me, too. How did Harden manage to find another team that would buy in and give him an opportunity? I mean, I guess that there's always going to be a team available that wants a star, but to me, I thought that Kyrie was impossible to trade for, man. I thought that James Harden was impossible to trade for at this point in his career. I really think they mirror the both. I, I, the, both of the trades mirror each other. I don't know another team that's going to want to buy in on Harden. So again, you know, it's. I think the Clippers have to retain him, but 
I just cannot believe that another team bought in on Harden, man. I thought that Kyrie and Harden were both spoiled goods to an extent. Well, they are. There was one team on the market, and Philly didn't get back one legitimate high-end asset. They got mediocre aging wings, and they got a first-rounder from OKC that's not going to be very valuable three years from now. And then they got a first rounder six years from now. Who knows what the value on that is going to be. So this is a very unimpressive haul for James Harden. And I agree with you completely. There is too many red flags here for LA to be considered a legitimate high-end contender out West. Health being the biggest. But that offensive regression from Harden that we have seen too many times. The whole team struggling to attack the rim. Russ's volatility. When is that four for 20 game coming? Also concerned a bit about him now having to take a step back in this role when it seemed like he was much happier to feel empowered to be playing some of his best basketball in recent years for the Clippers. Now the dynamics there change and he's being paired up again with a guy who jumped ship on him in Houston. That's not ideal. I do worry about this team's ability to reach a really high end defensive ceiling. I worry about their wing and front court depth. It was good that they were able to keep Terrence Mann, which, by the way, I mean, that is a damning statement on James Harden's value. We were joking about if Terrence Mann was truly untradeable, if you wouldn't have to include him in this deal. But the fact that they actually didn't, that tells you a lot about how his value is viewed around the league. Getting back P.J. Tucker is a nice little win there in terms of not decimating things and like Rocco, Batum, Marcus Morris. None of those guys are very good at this point, but they're capable bodies who you can throw out there. And PJ Tucker's that too. Like, of course, there's going to be stretches where he's giving you absolutely nothing offensively. And if he's not taking and knocking down his corner threes, then that is what he will be giving you offensively. But he's still a high IQ basketball player. He's still a really strong defender physically. He's still a solid rebounder. Like, he's a fine guy to have out there as your eighth or ninth man in a playoff scenario. So that was a nice job by LA to get him back. But still, in totality... It's not a great group in terms of wings, front court depth. And then we have to always be worried about if these personalities are just going to go in a disastrous direction. So when I compare them to the competition out West, a team like Denver is just in a different tier, right? They are way better. They have the best player in a theoretical series between the two by far. As much as I love Kawhi, it's really not close. They have this perfect fit perfect high and complimentary role players. They have a much better culture. They're bigger. Like there's just so many advantages there. I honestly have more faith in them to defend at a high level at this point. The Warriors would have the best player in that series. I think that they have a higher two-way ceiling. We've seen what they can do defensively when fully engaged with Wiggins and Draymond out there. And right now, that second unit is looking really, really good. All of their offseason moves are looking promising. The internal development of their young guys, that is a team to me that, again, just fits much better. The Lakers, I still think, have that elite defensive ceiling. They're bigger. They're more physical and athletic. If LeBron and AD are humming, I think they can reach a higher ceiling. I prefer the Suns' big three to the Clippers because I think that the offense is more reliable in totality. James Harden, again, is going to have those stretches where he's just settling for so many pull-up jumpers and they're not falling and he can't really put his imprint on the game. And honestly, the same goes for Paul George to a lesser extent. But we have seen those stretches where it's just 
passive PG, not attacking the rim as he should be able to given his athletic tools, and so he can fade a bit in spots. Beal, Book, KD, because of their versatility as shot makers, I have faith in all of those guys producing at a level that is just more consistent than what I see from this Clippers core outside of Kawhi, who I think scales as well as anybody to the playoffs as a scorer. So maybe I like the Clippers role players a little bit more than the Suns. I think I prefer the Suns like deep bench, but I do like Terrence Mann and Ivica Zubats. I think those are guys who do their job well. Like the Clippers are legitimately good. They are. But the goal isn't to be good. The goal is to go out there and actually contend and push for a title. And just because they haven't done that, we can't wipe that off the board and pretend that that's not the goal when you have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden have invested all your resources in that. And I think that with that in mind, they're going to be disappointed again. I think so too. And I want to hammer home one more point too because I think some people may be confused as to why we think the Clippers are going to be as bad as we expect them to be defensively. Uh, you know, because you have this star, you know, wing tandem of Paul George and Kawhi, right? In theory, they should be two of the best point of attack guys in the league. And at this point, I just think they're a little too old to take on those matchups with the really dynamic guards and stuff like that. Like younger Kawhi, younger PG, I think are up to task. I think both of them are a lot more limited in that they need to defend wings now. And that you do have a new defensive liability in James Harden yet. And the fact too, that they're really undersized throughout this team, especially off the bench. And I think there are a lot of teams in the West that are still better than them, and they will be disappointed. You briefly mentioned this, and I just want to uh, get this before we get out of here, Carson. So you hate this haul for Philly. Like, are you glad that they recoup some value for Harden? How are you feeling about the Sixers now that uh, the saga looks like it's finally done? Real quick, I do just want to add a point to what you are saying defensively. I don't want to put it in terms of how bad we expect LA to be. I don't think they're going to be a bad defense at all. I think that they're going to be an above average defense. I just don't think they can reach the same heights that they could have four years ago when this core with PG and Kawhi was put together and they did have younger, more athletic wings in those supporting roles. They had a really good point of attack defender like Patrick Beverly. Like it was just a defense that was better put together. So if they can't reach that elite defensive ceiling with some of my concerns about offensive consistency from a guy like Harden, I just can't elevate them to that top tier. But for Philly, I don't hate this. This is pretty much what I expected. It's fine. You got off of James Harden. I guess that's a win. But at the same time, your team has taken a step back. I mean, you didn't even get an impact wing of the caliber of Terrence Mann. And again, I mean, giving up PJ, I don't know. Out of the four wings involved in this deal, all of the old mediocre wings and front court guys, he honestly still might be my favorite for a playoff setting. So, yeah, I mean... Rocco has the same lack of reliability offensively. I think that PJ is probably a stronger all-around defender when you consider some of the rebounding value. I think he's a higher IQ defender. I don't know. It's just a lot of mediocrity. And I think that Philly's still going to be a good basketball team because I think that Maxi is going to ball out and Bede is going to be able to float them to a reasonably high floor. They're probably going to win 50 games. They're probably going to host a playoff series. And then they're going to lose in the second round. And this time, they now have gone through who was their best trade asset in Ben Simmons and they turned him into James Harden 
who seemed like that was going to be a big win. And now all of that has turned into a whole bunch of underwhelming assets. Like they don't really have that piece other than Tyrese Maxey, who I really, really don't think they'll give up to go out there and make a move for another star alongside Joel Embiid. So I think that situation continues to trend very, very much in the wrong direction. And I just don't know how long Embiid can sit there in his prime and be fine with stagnant results and second round exits. And of course, he bears responsibility in that 100%. I am not the guy who's going to cop out Joel Embiid because he has been one of the most concerning playoff droppers in terms of superstars that we have seen this century. But the organization also is not doing their job when you consider how things have ended up here in the state of this roster right now. Uh, I completely agree with you. I think both of these franchises are running the risk of losing these guys. If the Clippers are smart, like I said, I think they, I think both of these sides need to retain their superstars if they can. But I think the Sixers are at a, are at a much higher risk uh, of losing Joel Embiid if things go south. I mean, just because of what you said, they don't have the assets to go out and make a new swing at a bigger superstar. You know, it's going to take you giving up a lot of future draft capital to make it happen, or you know putting Maxi on the rod and casting him out there and seeing what you can go and get. And he seems like way too valuable of an asset to go out and shop now. So I think that I think for both sides, man, I, I don't really see this pushing them into championship contention, which is what it's going to take. It feels like to keep their stars. No, this feels very likely that we look back on it as a lose, lose, like in the scope of 100%. things, because at the time of a trade, you can pretty much always justify. All right. They got to get rid of Harden. Philly, that relationship is fractured, and LA, they want to add a little bit of star talent. But in terms of these teams achieving their long-term goals, Philly got really underwhelming assets back, and LA still has a whole bunch of question marks. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. There's one more thing that I want to say that you briefly touched on, though, Carson. It was about Harden's uh, trade value. This does speak volumes about how Harden is viewed across the league. Daryl Morey is not a guy who gets rid of an asset when he's getting subpar value mm -hmm. back. I mean, we saw him hold on to Ben Simmons forever until he got the trade that he wanted, which was a star asset in James Harden. If this is the deal that Daryl Morey is accepting, I mean, nobody else could have been throwing anything on the table 
if this is the deal that he accepted. I know Harden wanted to go to L.A., so Morty was probably a little more incentivized to make that move happen, but there couldn't have been any other teams knocking on the door if this is the deal yeah. that Morty accepted. I mean, this is... It feels insanely low value for a guy like James Harden, even at this point in his career. I do think we should give props to the Clippers for buying low, at least, on Russ, buying low on Harden. Like, that is a good job of trying to add talent when you have sort of limited cap flexibility, very limited cap flexibility, not great trade chips. So props to them for that. But yeah, man, Daryl Morey was working the phones at... 3 a.m. on a Monday night trying to get rid of James Harden in exchange for Nick Batum and the boys. Like, that tells you a lot. And he wouldn't even put Furkan Korkmaz in the deal, man. Poor Furkan has been trying to get out of Philly for five years. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if he owes somebody money, if he fears for his life. I can't imagine why he would be that desperate to get out of Philly. I like how the Clippers and Sixers both were just like, ah, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I'm cool on Cork Mod. Yeah. Both sides agreed that that was not best for the deal, is the quote. Tough luck, Furcon. I'm going to keep praying for you, man. But there you have it, guys. Our thoughts on the Harden deal. We are going to do a full NBA show tomorrow talking about some of the early season standouts, so stay tuned for that, but had to get this one up first. If you enjoyed the good news is there's plenty more nerd slash content. You can find all of our full shows with video at the volume YouTube page. You can also listen to the podcast across audio platforms, and you can follow us across social media, TikTok and Instagram at nerd sesh, Twitter at nerd underscore sesh. You can also join our discord. That is at the link tree across our social media bios. If you just want to talk basketball, football with us, be part of our community. And you can check out our merch at thevolume.com or also at our link tree. There we've got hats, we've got hoodies, we've got shirts, we've got the flags behind us. So you can check all of that out there. And with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. 
So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.